Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the Mission Podcast. Welcome to the Mitchin Podcast, where each week the three of us get very talented people in to make us look good, because we've got nothing good to say. I'm Mike Eggert, and this week I'll be doing the role of Andrew Levins. Does that, don't, mean, does that don't, mean I'm Mike Eggert? Yeah, don't get too excited. Andrew's He's actually here. here. <laughs> but we're just going to give him a different role today. What's um, my role? Your role is to just sit there and look pretty like Mike Eggert does. Okay, great. Uh, today's all about coffee, tea, and me. So, as the uh, official host of the uh, Mitchin today, with the Andrew Levins cap on, I'd like to introduce my Sue host. So, I'd like oh, to introduce Sue, <laughs> Sue host. Well, I'm wearing a, the Andrew Levins cap, so okay. I'd like to introduce Andrew Andy Levins to my podcast. Thanks, Chef. <laughs> and Mitch the Krill Orr to my podcast. Thanks for having us, Mike. It's very kind of you. <laughs> uh, and we're going to come back to this subject, but later we're going to be talking about coffee and tea. And how these people save our lives in the industry. Keep us awake, keep us alert, keep us healthy. We've got Arthur from T-Craft. Which means I've started. <laughs> I have no idea. You already lose. You don't think you're talking <laughs> to your microphone. <laughs> We've got Dan from Artisifer. Artificer. 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 No, this is like another auto tomato. No one can say it right either. Yeah. Artisifer, yeah. Artisifer. Yeah. Artifier. Yeah. Just Artificer. come up with good names. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should just... French version. <laughs> And we've got another Dan from Edition. Hey, how you doing? And there he is. Okay, there's our guests. There's our players. Let's go, Andrew. Yeah, so later in the show, it's going to be all about coffee and tea. But uh, to get before we get there, we've got to talk about uh, chefs and shit and tweets because it's our hit segment, <laughs> beloved by all. Shit, chefs, tweet. Where I uh, basically look, I, I scroll through the dark web and find some uh, stupid <laughs> tweets that chefs have sent. Over the last five years, I dug pretty deep today, <laughs> and uh, everyone here this is be terrible. Everyone here has to guess uh, who who tweeted this shit, which chefs tweeted this shit. Um, I'm going to start it off. This tweet is: "People that stink are the worst." <laughs> which chef tweeted that? Could be Hongi. It's Hongi. Yeah, it has to be Hongi. <laughs> On September 2014. Okay, how about this one? Greek is the new Mexican. Ooh, Gina Savile, Miffy uh, Rigby. No, is that an actual chef? Yeah, it's a chef. Greek uh, could be Hongi again. It's Dan. And <laughs> <laughs> he was wrong because there's no Greek anywhere. Yeah, uh, there's a couple, but nah, not really. it's not like Mexican joints. There's yeah. certainly no Maryville Greek joint yet. No, that's yeah. True. <laughs> um, They're actually in talks to sign George Columbaris as we speak. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> I'd be so refreshed to see a restaurant presser with a focus on produce that's out of season, out of date, and really far away. Pat Nurse? 
No. Hongi? <laughs> no, not Hongi. <laughs> no, it's someone kind Miffy? of smart. Miffy Rigby, yeah. editor of Good Take Food. Take that back. I'd <laughs> <laughs> stand by. Um, all right, cool. So... Uh, is that all you got? No, I got, I got plenty, mate. I, 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 I got dug pretty, pretty deep. All right. The music at Gelato Messina is the worst. Uh, that's Hongi. That's Dan Hong for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, let's skip to someone who isn't Dan Hong. How about this one? Food science can do heaps of things. Fast food is basically robots cooking, so how come there isn't a mechanical salt-to-chip ratio machine? Oh, it's me. That's Mike Eggett. It's a really good point. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about can you charge a table for BYO drinking coconut? Oh, that's Mitchy. Is that me? No, that's you, Mike. That's, that's me. me. <laughs> All right, let's let's let's, let's put a, put a pin on that one. That's a great segment I like again. BYO drinking coconut. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that. Like, should it be the same as corkage? Like two dollars fifty? I don't know. But we have to open it for them. Uh, no, I don't think we opened it. But there was quite a constant thing. People bringing their own coconuts to BYO. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, what for are brunch? you doing? Yeah, they bring their own coconuts. Is there even somewhere near Pinbone that you could buy? Coconuts they just come from we had coconut trees out the front, but What's that? there was no, no. coconuts on them. There's coconut trees out the front. There was nothing. There was nothing. I don't know why it was a common thing, but it got pretty annoying. But I, I don't think that I would ever bring a drink of another. It's substantially. People have bought like chat time and stuff. Yeah, to Acme, but that's still not that cool. A coconut, though. Yeah, coconut. And they leave it on the table. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. It's quite a little labor to clean that shit up. I don't care how delicious coconut is. Like, I, I, I agree that it's definitely significantly more delicious if you drink directly from the coconut than you would a bottle. But you don't look... You just It's impossible to not look like a douche carrying a coconut, yeah, carrying coconut, a coconut around. around. Yeah, unless you're on a beach somewhere in the... That's fine. Or in private, in your own, in your own house, <laughs> yeah. with, with the blind shut. All right, should we get into it? Yeah, shall we? So, Arthur, Arthur and Dan from Artisifier... Have bought some things and then Artificer. Is that that's Artificer. <laughs> Artificer. Yeah, there's an F and then the C's up. Do you want to say you, the story behind Artificer? Why you chose it? Oh yeah, good we, question. Why make it hard? Well, to well it's funny because it's just like I've had this list of words that I just put down, and uh, for I don't know random reasons. And uh, other words <clears throat> like, like was beans in there? No, like <laughs> beans. Beans. That wasn't dead end. It was a shit joke. He no, was beans, actually dead. beans, water, milk. That was it. That's um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it just happened to fit. Like when we opened Salvage, um, it just kind of fit because we were trying to sort of salvage something from a sinking ship that we that was the place that we worked beforehand. And then uh, this one, Artificer, actually just fit because we like the look of the word. There's I, no thought, I thought the story was that it was the only word that showed you Yeah, and showed you managed to pronounce it first time. <laughs> so that's a better explanation. What does it mean? Uh, I think it's like, I think it used to mean something that, uh, like in, def- in wartime, uh, someone who makes defenses or, you know, strategic kind of whatever. But now it's just someone who invents or creates something, I think. A craftsman. A craftsman. A bespoker. <laughs> a bespoker, yeah. Bespoker, adding, I'm adding that to the list. Yeah. Uh, maybe let's uh, give some background yeah. on, like, all of your paths to where you are now. Arthur, you want to start? Tell us where yeah. you came from and where you are. Um, my mother's womb. <laughs> uh, I knew I was going to regret then, this. <laughs> then a few years after that, I met uh, my business partner who was the first and last tea master of T2. And uh, he wanted to, because T2 was heading into a direction where they were doing a lot of flavoured teas, uh, my business partner, his name is Chok, uh, he wanted to focus more on pure teas, uh, so a lot of single estate stuff, and, and some blends, but no flavouring. 
Um, but he didn't know how to get around it in terms of marketing and all that kind of stuff. And so I had been a freelance marketer and a freelance writer for a few years. And yeah, him and I got together and started T-Craft. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And T-Craft is only wholesale, isn't it? Uh, we mainly wholesale. We don't really do retail. The only retail we do is online, oh, right. but we don't really push it. Push it. Yeah. Well, I mean, after this, you're going to be inundated with thousands Holy and thousands shit. of people. <laughs> this is the mission. It's a huge. Yeah, sorry, if they can sorry. taste stuff through the microphone, they'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, while we got you, what did you bring today? Um, I bought a pool erty in stuffed inside a mandarin skin, which I've never tried. Is that so like? Is that? A, is that a common thing? Uh, it, it, it was a thing for about a few years back. Um, people started doing it. But I'm, I'm not sure if it's a gimmick or not, so I wanted to just experiment with that. Experiment. Um, but outside of that, I also brought some uh, Fujian red tea, which is a non-smoked Lapsang Sushong. So it's what we call the domestic-grade Lapsang Sushong. Um, well, when, when they have Lapsang in China, they don't actually have the really smoky, tarry version. That version is only for exports. So I wanted to bring something that was yeah, what they have in the home country. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And uh, Dan, where did you come from before Artisa Uh I was a sparky for a while and then did lighting consultancy and then naturally just coffee straight after. <laughs> and naturally, like, yeah. You, did, was there like a, like a comical accident where like your fuse box like <laughs> fell into, into a pot of water and it <laughs> boiled it and then you dropped coffee and you're like, oh my God, Inspired. I got a knack for this. No, it was actually a bad relationship, hey. And I needed something to uh, escape from. And coffee, I just got obsessed with it. And uh, <laughs> actually, and um, yeah, started doing like nerding out, geeking out a lot, spending time on forums, <laughs> reg- regretsville. Um, and then, uh, yeah, started doing competition judging. I uh, did that for seven years. And then, um, yeah, from that. Kind of just got asked to join a roastery, a coffee roastery called Air Coffee, which is now defunct. But that was a contract roaster for a lot of other people, which was kind of cool because it was just black label. Um, but so doing there was barista and a lot of QA, so a lot of uh, choosing coffees from farms. Went to farms, um, that was really cool. Um, and got to see it from, you know, literally from seed to cup. Um, have that whole experience. Started roasting. Um, setting profiles for the coffees going out and because we were doing a lot of different stuff for a lot of different people it was nice having that kind of expanse to see coffee from the worst to the best coming through um, yeah left there uh, started salvage on a whim with a few mates uh, in Ataman and then but the deal was to always go back to after having control of selecting the coffee roasting it and then brewing it um, Having that correlation between the three um, was always something that I didn't not want to have. So I think we just saw how much control and how it can go so wrong in those things. Um, so to have that control and then one space to do all that and that only was the dream setup, but bloody scary. <laughs> okay. And uh, Dan, before you managed addition? Before you became Noma's favourite coffee spot? <laughs> Noma's favourite well Renee's actually um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get specific Although uh, Noma have been told, well all the staff at Noma have been told by Renee that they are only to drink coffee from edition <laughs> I like that rule. Um, rule My background is actually drama I went to drama school in 2003 uh, finished in 2005 and while I was kind of in drama school and 
doing auditions, etc. It was really easy to work behind a coffee machine because it gave me the flexibility to, you know, drop shifts at a whim, go for auditions, go for castings, etc. Um, and I really liked the interaction with people, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of like it helped my acting a lot more because you're dealing with different personalities, different characters all the time, so you kind of have to change the way you act towards them. Um, so that's where I got into coffee, and then um, in 2007, I worked at a place called Clipper mm-hmm. in Glebe, and it was kind of like a really big cafe in Glebe owned by a Scottish guy called Adriano. Um, we then Adriano Matteoni. He was a classic uh, Scottish, yeah, <laughs> Scottish Italian. Which, funnily enough, there is a lot of Italians in Scotland. Um, and then I uh, went on to open in two thousand and nine a coffee shop with him in um, Annandale called Clover. Mm-hmm. Um, three months in, I dislocated my shoulder. That was due to doing one hundred and thirty kilos behind a machine by myself uh, two group machine and I've gradually over about two weeks just popped my shoulder out um, so my chiropractor over the next coming months put my shoulder back into into place and was that his first coffee related injury that he had to fix uh, yeah I think so yeah he's like um, your shoulder's not even in the socket it's like slightly out what have you been doing and then I told him he goes okay you need to get away from the machine so I sold out of that coffee shop um, three months in. The chef at the time bought my share for basically what I put in, which was fine. Um, I then went back to working at Clipper. Then uh, my mate and I opened Room 10 in Potts Point, yeah. um, which was really good. It was kind of like the first of the laneway cafes. Melbourne was really good at doing laneway cafes and nobody had really made a good crack of it. Um, Land Kelly Place was kind of like junky lane like a lot of still lot, kind of is yeah still kind of is although there's kids and dogs around now um so yeah it was a bit of a it was a bit of a dodgy laneway and we went in there we got a really good deal on some uh some rent off a really small space um just made a good go of it um 2012 i sold my share and i went traveling for a year mm-hmm. uh then i moved to edinburgh for a year with my ex-wife um and then I got a space. Oh, a mate of mine um, contacted me and said, "I've got a, a really cool space in Darlinghurst. Uh, nobody's really made a good crack of it in Darlinghurst. It's become a bit of a dead zone between Surrey Hills and Potts Point. Nobody's really had a good go of it. Would you like to come back and do another coffee shop?" Um, I spoke to my brother Corey in who was living in Japan at the time. And we decided to come back and basically start a roastery. Sick. So he looks after a lot of the coffee side of things, buying coffee, roasting, QC, all that stuff. Uh, I look after basically everything else. Cool. All right, so that was a long way of saying you were better at coffee than you were at acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Um, and how about you guys, Mitch and Mike? Because, uh, I mean, we've only really heard you talk about your love of food and cooking on the show before, but, I mean... As long as I've known you, Mitch, you've been as much about tea as you have anything. In fact, I reckon Acme is the only restaurant that you can go to where the chef will actually like applaud you for ordering tea instead of wine, yeah, right. instead of like berate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and Mike, I, I, I learned recently that you are a big coffee fiend as well. 
you, you even gave a talk um, or part of a talk at Rootstock. Yeah, mate. Yeah, that was really informative on my behalf. <laughs> I sounded like an idiot. It was that excellent. Was, though. That was more of a favour to, to Giorgio. But, I mean, is it, is it a, same love, a similar love for food that you have for both tea and coffee? Yeah, I mean, I never really drank coffee. I didn't grow up drinking coffee or my parents don't really drink coffee or anything. So I never really got into it. And then when I started cooking, all the Italian chefs and stuff I used to work for would drink espressos and that kind of thing. But I never really, like it was always a bit bitter and stuff for me. And I, I didn't really have any other caffeine in my diet. So it would always wig me out. But I grew up drinking, you know, the classic English breakfast tea with heaps of milk and heaps of sugar and eventually like I learned that there was a lot more to tea than just the Twining's tea bag mm. and you know like it's now it's something that I'm I really like and I really enjoy but I'm not as nerdy about it as I would maybe like to be yeah, like Mike's quite like Mike's as big a coffee nerd as anyone that owns a coffee shop <laughs> or a cafe but he's a bit smarter than I am so I just go Arthur give me some stuff and <laughs> Arthur sorts it out I, um, <laughs> I think my like uh, appreciation and it, it's definitely an appreciation for coffee um, comes from I think it's no different really that we talk about a, a lot of the uh, subjects but the, the new food wave in Sydney and the new wine wave same kind of guys like two of these guys here both are Dan's um, I really get on the wagon with the guys that really know their product um, and I think if you looked at coffee 15 years ago and this is something we'll delve into it was really one dimensional and, and pretty crap and it was dominated by the big roasteries and there wasn't anyone really like accessible there were people but it was hard to find that were doing interesting things and I think as the talented sort of baristas and the talented roasters have come through Sydney the love affair with coffee has has grown and that's definitely where mine has come in because you can actually have a conversation with guys on the machine who are also like roasting and they're doing specific things and when they're giving it to you you actually see the evolution and you can see the transformation I think I got into it through Mecca um a guy called Seb, a guy called Marcy, and a guy called Ian. They were the three guys that I used to go pester pretty much on the machine exclusively. And then I found Dan at, when I was living at Potts and talked to him. And then now another Dan down in Surrey Hills. So I think basically my affection towards coffee um, has grown with the actual coffee industry and how they've expanded from a pretty boring unit just this one kind of thing from and just lattes well you know you think about the 90s where it was like frothy foamy cappuccinos with chocolate on top and glory days yeah the, <laughs> and, and, and there's nothing wrong with those things but you wouldn't have anything to geek out over you know what I mean there was nothing to get behind because it was a very one dimensional it was more consumer driven back then exactly and now the guys have found this niche and we'll get into those so we might as well because I'm just talking shit oh yeah do I get to talk about my love of soda water no, no. Oh, well, we <laughs> were going to just try to no one cares about your soda stream <laughs> we're just following the feedback on the emails and trying to keep Levin's to a minimum so. <laughs> I'm in a box as I record this. and I want to kill you Andy from now on too <laughs> oh great so well yeah let's start with that so like through the 90s or let's when did coffee start evolving in Sydney like and who's the driving force because I feel like now in the current like sort of world market Sydney's one of the leaders <clears throat> but I know that Melbourne was quite good you know what I mean but like so who took it from the the doldrums like who took it away from like Illy coffee that we buy in from Italy like where did it start like why have we got all these new types of coffee and we can talk about those as well but what was the catalyst what started it um I don't know like there's a few kind of key things in there um you know it all used to be imported coffee so it was coming over stale before it landed here. 
relatively, you know, to now especially. Um, you know, and then, it, you know, you had companies like Illy and lots of big companies like that bringing heaps in. Um, and that's just what we knew, you know, and that's, so that was as good as it got. Yeah. And then you got companies that, uh, you know, locally roasted stuff and that was like next level. Um, you know, and then it progressed to, I think, big companies sourcing, you know, going to farms, sourcing coffee, um, doing more specialty stuff. So like, you know, we'd say Campos and Toby's Estate. Um, yeah, it was like Campos, Toby's, Singalo, Singalo. kind of like Mecca. Yeah. I mean, they're like, what, Campos is about 11 years old now? Yeah, but I reckon even back then, like, Campos was, like, still big. Campos was the thing. I I remember when Corey came over from Adelaide the very first time, I think it was, like, six or seven years ago, and I took him to Campos, and I was like, okay, this is a place you want to go. You will line up for a coffee, and you will wait 20 minutes for a coffee, but when you get it, it will be fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, like, you know, and then... I remember they used to have a thing forever ago when it was like, you know, they would only supply one cafe in like suburb almost, you know, and then, you know, stuff changes and then... Um, Are you talking about exclusivity? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, that's kind of out the window now. It's just about numbers and getting the numbers through, which is cool too. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it changes and then the small guys coming up, you know, not wanting to have that kind of large wholesale mentality and stuff like and that. And so would you guys consider yourselves like the second wave? You know, like, so those, those first few guys sort of set the benchmark and now it's... Uh, it, I think in I coffee long. terms, there's like... Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of wanky, but there was like this third wave, which was more specialty coffee, sourcing coffee um, from farms and, you know, going there yourself and having setting up these direct trade models and uh, stuff like that. Um, putting rosettas on top of coffee <laughs> on lattes, you know, having latte out such a massive thing. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that went that came with it, and roasting lighter, you know, mm. instead of just roasting really, really dark, um, and sort of doing that because in that aim to not drink coffee with milk and stuff like that, and just have it, yeah. And then that goes into like the cold press, like cold drip stuff, and aeropress and stuff like that, right? Well, yeah, it's it went down the track, I think, of roasting for filter and roasting right. for espresso. So you roast lighter for filter, darker for espresso, just to kind of yeah caramelize the the sugars etc um but now it's even gone one step further which is like omni roasting um which my view of omni roasting is you roast for what the bean is giving you tell us tell us what omni roasting is so (coughs) omni roasting is if you've got a colombian you've got a rwandan you've got a ethiopian you roast them to a certain percentage to maximize the flavor profile of Of that that particular coffee instead of roasting that ethiopian darker for milk or lighter for espresso it's like i'm going to roast it to 20 percent and i'm going to change the extraction method to use that coffee so i will change the way i extract it through espresso and the way i extract it through filter to get the best out of that coffee i'm not going to change the way i roast it to get the best out of it i'm going to change the way i extract it i'm just going to roast to whatever the perfect perfect roast for that bean is yeah so that's my view of omni roasting Mm-hmm. And that sort of fits with us using ingredients as well, using changing what we do to the ingredient based on what's best for the ingredient. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like steaks. If you have a really nice marbled steak, yeah. you know, and you take it to well done, yeah. you might as well just had some, you know, minute chuck steak or whatever, yeah. you know, but you want to retain the natural flavors. So yeah. 
You can retain the natural flavors, but there are some coffees that you should just take dark still. Yeah. As in, you don't want to retain those natural flavors because they're just cheap and nasty coffees and you want to roast that out. Right. So, but should you not use them in the first place then? Uh, there's a market for it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> in the... Um, so in your two particular shops in the old like 10 years ago if you came in you could get an espresso and maybe like a long black but now like run us through the gamut of coffees that you guys offer because I know that each shop sort of you know between all the different techniques so what's on offer down at Edition? Um, we offer we offer V60 pour over we offer um, milk based coffees and espresso based coffees uh, we also offer batch brew which is essentially the old American diner style coffee um, done on larger scales so it's filter coffee done on larger scales but Australia's kind of taken it and gone this is a really good idea but the Americans haven't really done it real well for a long time so we're going to use really good beans we're going to um, have a recipe for grams in grams out over certain temperatures and it's become really popular over addition we started a year ago doing like one liter a day and now at the moment i think we're doing like five to six wow so i've kind of been encouraging people that drink long blacks to try batch brew um just for a bit more of a less intense flavor like mm-hmm. it's a bit it's not as bitter it's a bit less intense so mm-hmm. same same down at it's written here. If you need a little reminder, it's written directly in front of you. Just get the letters in the right order. And it's fine, you know. Um, yeah, same stuff, isn't it? Uh, Tifisa, right? Tifisa. Yeah, said it right. This is the playback. Yeah, same stuff. You know, like uh, a big part of, especially the filter coffee scene. Um, you know, it's there's more of an emphasis on drinking it black and tasting those natural flavors. Um, but it's probably more approachable than espresso, so less intensity. Um, and as it cools, it's very approachable, like definitely closer to tea. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Like, like, I can, I yeah. can drink that kind of stuff, and I like it. And I still get way too much caffeine buzz from it yeah. at the end of it. But yeah, the I drink think- is longer, more hydrating. So mm, yeah. that's the similarity, I think, with tea. And, yeah. Uh, the process as well, the, just a pure immersion yeah. as opposed to some kind of machine-based extraction. Yeah, yeah. under pressure yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so really approachable. And then, you know, your cold brew coffee or your cold drip coffee or your elixir, um, stuff like brew, that. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just other renditions and something that it's surprising that Australia didn't hook on to sooner because Without it's such a hot climate, stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, so what it also translates the f- natural flavors of the coffee as well. A little better. What um, percentage of milk coffees do you do now? Have you noticed like a change since you've opened your shops? Even people like steering away from it and trying different things? And um, yeah, I guess even over the years, more so, yeah. it's definitely more black than, but still, you know, smaller percentage, mostly milk. Um, at our shop, because we only do coffee, we get stacks of coffee nerds who are yeah. great. Um, but you know which um, yeah we get lots of people attempting like trying black coffee mm-hmm. and we're trying to get people to see a coffee is not the milk mm-hmm. you yeah, know yeah. the actual coffee itself you want a coffee mm-hmm. it's it's almost like we're trying to get people to go from um, milk where the condiment is coffee to uh, the actual coffee itself mm-hmm. um, and trying to make that approachable and it comes with a conversation though I feel like too like both the cafes are designed um, in a bar sort of style and mm. it becomes really approachable so for people out there if you want to go in and have a chat like both places you can really interact with both 
you know, the roaster or the barista, they're really on display at, at both shops. And it, I feel like that's part of why coffee's taken such a great stride forward because, you know, shops like yours, they're really designed for interaction. And, and as Dan said, like, you know, the interaction as part of his, just his day-to-day life was engaging and that's why me and Dan became such good friends. You know, I used to go down and have two coffees at a morning and we'd become mates from that, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's I think both the designs show just how open and how uh, welcoming you both are and how much you'll give to the customer like I really love that approach from the so the same now as having open kitchens and that kind of thing except you don't have an arsehole yelling at you calling your cunt for (laughs) ordering gluten free (laughs) and asking stupid fucking questions what the fuck is that order (laughs) (laughs) could you describe the stereotypical coffee nerd <laughs> um, Mike Eggert. <laughs> no, that's funny because no, like no, I'm nothing. It's really it's really that. hard because I guess I used to be one. Uh, quite often um, they miss some coffee cafe social cues, such as uh, there's a queue out the camp. door. There's a, the cafe's full of people, but I'm gonna lean and I like you. Go, I'm gonna lean on top of your machine. And just talk to you as if no one else is here. It's just you and me having a date. That was definitely me. Yeah. And, um, you know, and asking like super nerdy questions, numbers. Like, I mean, we're taking, you know, nowadays, which, you know, something we weren't doing years ago is taking um, the TDS of coffee, um, you know, and the extraction percentage. What is the TDS? So the total, 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 total dissolved solids. You know, so it's how much coffee is in your coffee. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, brew ratios and nu- it's numbers galore. You know, there's apps for this stuff and um, refractometers and stuff. Yeah, we don't, you know, I'm not going to say that to every single person that's coming in the shop, but we do it and it's there and the coffee nerds know we do it. So they love talking numbers, hey? <laughs> um, wow. I, didn't, I didn't, had no idea that scene kind of yeah, it's existed. Big, it's, wow. a really, it's a really fun scene. Like, it's like, do, you, do you like talking numbers? I love you get talking a numbers. Really? So What's your favorite coffee-related number? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know my favorite numbers at the moment are the Elixir numbers. And I don't know enough about them, but Dan, you can probably fill us in because you... So, um, the Elixir numbers um, on, stated on the front of the bottle are the... Uh, amount of time it's been extracted for. So you better tell us what what's elixir. elixir what's elixir? Okay, so um, <clears throat> elixir is a new brew method that um, a friend of ours um, kind of discovered purely by accident. Um, actually, you guys should get her on here. That would be really cool. Um, she was her making. Name? Her name is Lisa Far. She's um, a vegan, though, so I don't know if you guys. She are is a vegan. vegan. We can have vegans on here. She was a really big vegan fan family. of Pimbo, and so she has a plant-based <laughs> diet. That's what she's uh, described <laughs> as now. So, um, Elixa is—it's a kind of a secret method. There's only a few people that know how it's brewed. Um, I think she's she likes that to kind of create a little bit of hype as well, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but the, it's brewed over 24 hours. So when we get a delivery of Elixa, we usually get a an hour under 12 and an hour over 12 um, just to kind of change the dynamics of the two flavor profiles. Um, we usually also get delivered two different origins of coffee. So one might be an Ethiopian, one might be a Colombian or something. Um, and the numbers on the front are how long that particular batch has been brewed for. Right. So either eight <coughs> hours or 16 hours. And there's a really crazy difference between them. Like it's awesome when you, that's why those numbers are my favorite at the moment. Because it's seriously like it's phenomenal. I yeah, love the surpri- surprisingly enough, crazy. we uh, we did a tasting the other night, and um, the lighter numbers had a lot more flavour to them than the darker, like the, the yeah, right. yeah. 
which was really interesting. Okay, a lot of words and not enough numbers. I don't know about you, Mitch. <laughs> well, the number between one and... What? One and 24. Yeah, one and so, 24. Yeah. We're doing a tea sampling at this... Yeah, a tea a, sni- a sniff sample. Sniff, sniffing. Tea so, go, go. I'll, like, there's all this amazing shit happening in coffee now, but it's still really, 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 really hard to get a good cup of tea. Somewhere where the tea's brewed properly at the right temperature and not just chucked in a pot where yeah. someone goes, pours 100 degree water on it, yeah. And then goes, oh, I'll just leave it there until I get around to remembering to take it to the table. And you get something that has no taste of what the actual tea should taste like. It's all bitter and tannic. And yep. have you now, because you supply a lot of cafes and stuff now. Yep. And even sometimes when I see your tea in a cafe, I'm like, oh, fuck, these people might actually know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, it's still a second thought. They're just like, oh, we bought some good tea, but I'm still going to just use water from the coffee yeah. machine to brew it. But have you noticed people caring more and like especially guys uh, like Dan look, and Dan it's a real uphill battle um, I think when Chuck and I started which is going back eight years ago we were kind of we had this saying amongst ourselves oh it's one palette at a time you've got to sort of educate um, and then I think uh, even though some people buy good stuff you, you're quite right they don't quite know what to do with it and the thing that we sort of espouse is that the value of tea or value of any ingredient, I reckon, is not just in the ingredient itself, but how you express it. That's where the value is. Um, and so, uh, well, it's, it's part and part. You know, you still got to start off with some reasonably good stuff. And, and then you got to, you should have to uh, put enough effort into finding out how, how do I make this good in my way, you know. And I don't think, uh, at the moment anyway, enough people are doing that with tea. Yeah. Um, Dan before sorry Dan from Artisifer Dan Wan are you okay with being Dan too? I'll be Dan too oh, <laughs> <I'm fine. laughs> uh, before we started recording Dan Wan made the comment he's all about numbers <laughs> I love numbers you guys um, before we started recording today Dan Wan mentioned that uh, he would never drink a shit coffee but he'd pretty happily drink a shit tea and I feel like a lot of people yeah there isn't that that, that level of importance placed on uh, yeah. and I think it's a real sort of miseducation in the sense that the exposure just isn't there, you know. Yeah. If Did you, you just call Dan one a dumb cunt, <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, Did it's you? got nothing to do with you know, <laughs> intelligence. It's, it's, it's exposure. His intelligence is irrelevant. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just really exposure because for the most part, most people probably haven't even really had tea. You know, they've had some kind of dust grade stuff, and they thought that was tea. And so, uh, you know, if whatever you've grown up around, you you generally tend to build a tolerance towards. Can I know. can I ask like so the parameters around coffee are very. Like rigid, it's really obvious. Yep. Coffee is coffee. It comes from the coffee bean. Sure. What defines a tea? Because sometimes you find, like I know that it has to have like tea leaves, but is that is that mm-hmm. is that strictly just tea leaves? Because you get a lot of infusions and people call them teas. Yeah, that's right. You know, so what defines a tea? What 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 can we well, call a tea? A tea? Uh, technically, a tea needs to come from Camellia sinensis plant, and so all the other stuff like your peppermints, your chamomiles, and lemongrass technically aren't teas. Hmm. Uh, they're what we call herbal infusions or tisans. Um And within the Camellia sinensis uh, plant, uh, you can use that same plant to make all sorts of real tea, like uh, white tea, green tea, yellow tea, black tea. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Amended to you, whatever, from the one plant. So a lot of it is in the processing. A lot of it is in the terroir. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I, this, I guess, for all of you guys, um, we've heard about the sort of the other end, the, the way that people can... Can you pour me that fucking tea already? <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah. There's a really sick looking tea down the end. Mitchie's dying. The He's unsmoked like, lapsang yeah. sushong. This is Mitchie's right. yeah. At the farm, how important is that now for all three of you? And how much role can you have in Sydney on the product and what you get your hands on? Like, how important is it now to know where your product comes from? Like, I know that's a massive thing in the world, but for your particular companies, how much control do you get over it? Uh, we, uh, at T-Craft, we have a lot of control over it in terms of what we bring into country. And beyond that, um, the thing that we've been doing in the last two, three weeks is we've been running our own tests uh, after bringing in the teas. So we would run tests on the level of um, pesticides used, um, spe- especially the organic stuff to make sure that none, none are used. And beyond uh, pesticides, we test for minerals, um, heavy metals, traces of heavy metals to avoid those. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, the nutrients so that we can complete, provide a complete sort of education around it. Mm-hmm. You know, how, like there's, there's ways of brewing something so that you can get the b- most out of it in terms of both flavor and health. And fortunately, it's in the most part, it's hand in hand. Uh, for example, with tea, usually what you try to aim for is a high leaf to water ratio and a very quick steep. And that way, uh, you're stripping the flavors of the tea leaf to, uh, because the flavors of tea leaf is just on the surface. So you're just scraping those oils on the surface, and that's what you're tasting. And that's a good thing. Because if you start breaking down the solids, not only does it taste bad, but you're actually uh, you know, t- in, uh, taking in a lot of the heavy metals found in soil. Uh, which goes through the plant itself and not just staying on the surface of it. So yeah. really similar to wine, we're talking about a complete sort of um, <coughs> uh, terroir kind of... Um, terroir is a really massive thing with yeah, tea. Yeah, right. All yeah. through the leaves. That's really fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, the elevation, uh, the season to which it's grown, and the processing and is very important. And when it's picked as well, as when as it's grapes. Picked, definitely, yeah. Awesome. Um, and I think what... Uh, as a purveyor of tea, what makes us very different than guys that sell coffee is that uh, we don't have, as a purveyor anyway, have a roasting process. So a lot of our value is in the education side of it, uh, the service side of it, you know. And so we don't really tend to have to nerd out, I guess. And I mean, I have a personal take on uh, obsessions anyway, and I, I find that um, obsession often, um, I think, blocks path. 
And I think it, it sort of closes the mind, uh, it makes the mind into a tunnel vision. So rather than looking at coffee, tea, or whatever as an ingredient that you can just use and dream up, um, you're sort of forced into a particular path if, you ha- if you're obsessed, right? And, and you don't see the, the full array of things you can do with it, you know? And uh, I think when I met Mitch, that was, uh, and, and some other chefs too, that's the thing I liked about presenting tea to chefs because they look at it, they don't look at it and they don't go, oh, um, well, not straight away anyway, they don't go, oh, well, how much water are you using? What temperature... Um, you know, uh, you know what's the steeping time and all that kind of stuff. They kind of uh, like smell it, they taste it, and they go, "Oh, what can I do with this?" And I t- that to me is beautiful, you know, because that's an ingredient, you know, and you're using your own art to it. You're, you're using your own mind and your efforts to, to to pick up this thing and and go, "Well, what can I do?" You know. So the onus isn't just on whoever's supplying you, but the onus is also on what you're going to do with it. And to me, I think, you know, tea is great because that's the medium. It's just a medium. So to obsess over a medium, I think, sort of, you, you, you lose out on expressing yourself. Yeah. He always gets so philosophical. It's very good. It's very <laughs> nice. That's why we had him on. Yeah, yeah. it's Thanks nice, so nice change. Offer. We just yeah. talk shit. So that's all with some actual genuineness. Um, let's talk about, like, actually using tea and coffee and food. Cause hang I know on, hang on. I want to hear the boys because oh, I want to hear how they get their coffee beans let's to Australia. Let's not do that. Edit. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to know because so we have a person that brings their own tea in but you guys are solely reliant on the coffee trade for the world yeah so you have to buy within those parameters or yes and no like there is option of going to farms mm. so when I worked for a bigger company going to a farm like financially was viable um, and sourcing and working with farmers uh, but over the years there's brokers bringing in like specialty brokers bringing in some excellent coffee who have deep relationships with uh, farmers um, have had long-term relationships have worked with them given the feedback I guess from the specialty coffee industry mm-hmm. and gone hey how about you know we noticed because they don't taste it they're not roasting and drinking it necessarily um, so we're giving this feedback loop now where we can give it back to them and go hey maybe in your fermentation times shorten it up it's giving a lot of whatever um, or you know maybe you want to tr- package it differently because while it's on the boat, it's, um, you know, in just Hessian bags, it's just mm-hmm. absorbing all the salt, sea air and so, everything like that. So. so you guys both use brokers? None of you have got farm? You're not buying direct at the moment? Uh, no. Yeah, no, not at the moment. It's for a small company, it's really hard. It's mm-hmm. not financially viable to be going to Origin all the time. and doing not, even with, like not even with that Noma money, bro? <laughs> 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 I don't get paid. <laughs> 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 It just pays you in like foraged twigs, <laughs> mushrooms and stuff. <laughs> um, just, just hugs. Yeah, like at, at the moment, it's not financially viable to go to Origin. Like obviously down the track when companies get bigger, etc., cetera, uh, it will be. But yeah, like Dan was saying, um, yeah, there's a lot of really good brokers in Australia now that kind of cut out that, that mess around, that hassle. And, and, they've, and they've got a lot. Care as well. yeah. They actually care. And they yeah. actually care. And they've got a lot of different coffees available as well. So you're not having to travel all over the world to get you know five different coffees. You just go to one guy and he's got you know like 20 coffees on offer. And so it's risky as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, part of our model is to not do that, like not travel there. And I mean, not to source from there, but because you can taste coffee at Origin and it tastes amazing and it's picked like, you know, not long after... But then when you're cupping it or the process of tasting the coffees for selection, um, you don't know how it was roasted, like what profile, mm. what water was used, which is a massive thing. 
how it was ground and what ratio they're using. So you're kind of picking... There's so much risk in it. And yeah, you're kind of you, picking a coffee off of the other elements you don't <laughs> Exactly. Know. And then you get it back here and you're like, that tastes nothing yeah. like I tasted it. Two or three months later on a boat and it gets here and it's different. So yeah. our thing is always to buy coffees that have landed in the country and we buy off that. But um, yeah, it's a massive risk that the brokers take on. Right. I left what was... Sorry, go with you. Yeah. We should talk about tea, <laughs> coffee <laughs> and food because I remember on Duke, at Duke Bistro used to have a dish that used uh, coffee in it. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I can't say I remember you ever actually cooking with tea. Have you ever done that? No, I've, I've used tea a lot. I use. Uh, we did a, a dinner with toys at one point where I made a tea broth and served it with blood cake and raw bonito, and that was sort of inspired from. I read somewhere, and it might be completely wrong. Arthur might tell me I'm an <laughs> idiot, but they used to package uh, tea in blood, and I think I might have even told you this. Yeah, you, you, you told me. You I hadn't heard of it. I was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but so that kind of that minerality and stuff for me worked and now I use, I use tea all the time like whether it's adding flavor to a broth or a stock and like steeping tea in that and then using that as a soup or a sauce for pasta or something like that or roasting the leaves and then blitzing them into a butter and using that as a flavoring and stuff like that so I actually use tea quite a lot in what do I you find with. there's a lot more umami in tea than there is in coffee when you're working uh, with it in different, food. like coffee number levels, if you could. No. <laughs> coffee is a much more intense flavor generally, yeah. like especially if you're just using the bean, yeah, and like grinding the bean up and adding it to something, yeah, and you get a lot more impactful flavor. Yeah. Whereas tea can be a lot more subtle, yeah, and you can control it. And you know, like I'm not a coffee nerd, but I understand the differences in tea leaves and white tea and green tea and red tea and sure fermented tea and getting the different flavor profiles from those processes yeah. so that way I can match what I'm doing yeah. and use that kind of tea I think it's because it's a gentler product as well yeah. and so uh, the substance itself as well as the way you extract um, is generally uh, I, I think anyway yeah, uh, milder and so it lends itself to be a complement more so than perhaps coffee mm-hmm. yeah what was that famous dish at the Duke? Was it like coffee and bonito? Bonito, coffee, macadamia, and pumpkin. That was a sick dish. Mike hates it. You didn't like that one, Mike? No, no, I didn't hate that dish. Uh-huh. I, I don't tend to use coffee outside of maybe dessert, only purely because I feel like it needs, in a, in a cooking sense, it needs quite a lot of sugar. Hence, that dish had the pumpkin. Super sweet. Um, but I think it, it's very limited in its actual like processes. Like you've got classic tiramisu's and you've got like coffee sponges and all that and I think they work really well because you've got quite a lot of dairy and quite a lot of sugar so they offset the rawness yeah. of coffee and um, with tea we use it like whenever it's a pretty versatile ingredient to throw into a broth a stock a powder it adds that depth and sometimes that um, in its dry state tea will offer a really nice tannin and a lot of times we associate tannins as a negative but when used correctly in a savoury course you can add a really nice like f- sort of other dimension for the palate so and tea offers that slight tannin without it being overpowering and, and, and really dominating the mouth. Have you guys ever eaten a dish that used coffee or tea that you actually really enjoyed or, or despised? Uh, I really enjoyed a tea-smoked uh, trout uh, that I had um, in, up in Hornsby. Um, oh, man. What are those guys called? That's probably the most common thing is smoking yeah. stuff with tea, using tea leaves to smoke stuff. It's yeah. quite traditional almost, isn't it? Um, and in that instance, it was pretty strange because they use a combination of both dragon, dragon well, which is a really corn-like um, sort of chicken stock kind of flavor, uh, with 
the smoked version of Lapsang Souchong. And somehow you could taste both. Um, I was pretty impressed by what they experimented with. Yeah. Maybe that's just your educated palate, bro. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I have a pretty uh, open palate because uh, I think um, growing up, we, we didn't have a lot. So you, you, you tend to sort of enjoy what you have and, and you, you have an open mind as to you know, what's out there. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not like often people when they ask me about tea and stuff, they sort of expect me to be uh, really obsessive and, and really sort of uh, nerdy about it. Uh, but I think just just from my personal background, I'm not really into it, into that side of things because I, I, I don't know, I just feel um, it, it, it shuts you off from people. I think you've you got to make whatever you're interested in uh, accessible to people, right? And not dumbing it down, but just relatable. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's like what we all try and do yeah. with our things. I know we're only two episodes into 2016, but I'm going to call it Arthur Gets the Most Beautiful Soul on the Mission <laughs> Award of oh, the Year. Thanks, man. <laughs> totally. Oh, uh, your, your view will be devastated. <laughs> Dan, uh, Dan 1 and Dan 2, I've got a quick yeah, question. Like, you guys are both massive coffee nerds, but yeah. your businesses are really different as well. Like, what led you to your business model and like you deciding to do that and then you're going fuck everything else I'm just doing coffee and too bad if you don't like it um, the business model was kind of a collaboration of both myself and my brother um, he obviously his kind of culinary hero is Rene Redzepi from Noma and also um, Magnus Nielsen from Fabrican. Um so Mike's best mate, <laughs> Mike's mate. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of a lot of kind of locally sourced kind of um, very simple um, produce driven menu items on our on our menu plus also the other side of it being him living in Japan for two years that culture kind of played a lot of the part as well so it's the it's the combination between the Nordic approach to food and also the Japanese approach to food which kind of go hand in hand because they use a lot of mm-hmm. fresh produce they use a lot of pickling and fermentations um, and with I mean like we actually have at the moment we have an English breakfast tea and hickory smoked salmon um, which is on the smotterbrod um, and we also uh, do a coffee cured egg on one of our sal- uh, egg yolk on one of our salads as well um, and previously last year we had a Sm- uh, slow cooked venison roll um, where we, we slow cooked the venison in batch brew which kind of yeah, took on a lot of the yeah, flavors venison well. and coffee is pretty classic, yeah. classic um, and delicious yeah so like we kind of we try to use cof- our coffee as much as possible in dishes as well just to kind of Title play that along yeah, yeah nice. um, I mean ours was definitely uh, uh, wanting you know wanting to have a space to get all the things that were within our control and you know, have a space to present that, educate, very much an education space. Um, and so, like Shoji and I are just, like we're giant nerds, like we love numbers and all that stuff, but we saw this huge disconnect between um, nerdy coffee people and the, the people pocket. paying the money. And so, um, you know, and so it's it's funny, it's interesting that like the, the culture... Um, People are almost scared to order certain things, ask for sugars in their coffee, order soy, order decaf, um, you know. But, you know, we wanted to kind of kill that off and go, you know what, if anyone has, um, you know, called to nerd out about coffee and make people feel bad, it's us. But we actually care about people as well and we actually want to 
bring people along with that ride. So having a space where making specialty coffee and all the nerdiness approachable. Um, so so I concur with your approach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, you know, like I mean, it's it's great to know a lot of shit about whatever you're into, but I mean, what good is it if you know you're jamming it down people's throats that aren't ready? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think uh, what you're doing and what, how you just explain it is perfect. I mean, you know what you know, and that's good. And so uh, you know, you, you can kind of weigh up when someone comes in and, and talks to you how much information they would like. Yeah. You know, it's about them it's not about you man you know and, and, that, and I think that's the thing about hospitality and hospitality supplies we've got to we've got to sort of gear out what we offer to the end user somewhat and care about them and you, you don't know? want to like be unapproachable no. and have your education kind of tower over you don't want to talk down to them yeah and you don't want to ostracize the people that are coming in essentially making your business because they are going to buy coffee off you every day and by the way I mean I don't know about you guys but I feel like in what I do I'm only about maybe 30% of my knowledge of the type of information that I need from uh, the product that I sell. Because in tea, it's a very vast thing. It goes back four, five, four and a half thousand years. So how can someone claim to have a level of expertise that's sufficient to sort of talk down to people? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. And so uh, from a supplier's point of view, you also have to humble yourself and realize that, yes, you may know more than the average, but you're still quite far from those who really live this shit. And like, you know, like people who pass it down from generations, like pressing Dragonwell against the walks, um, you know, like I don't do that. You know, these guys in uh, Longzheng do that. And, and the mothers and the grandmothers before them did that. So how could I come in and, and have an air about myself if there are generations and generations of people that have that kind of expertise about one particular tea? How can I come in and go, oh, no, I know everything? No. You know. Do you have any like um, motiv- self motivational recordings? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting though. Like even within the wine industry, or like wine bars have been around forever, but you don't go in there and you're not served a glass of wine and uh, given a whole lot of notes. Whereas from how much skin contact it's yeah, had, yeah, yeah. you know, it's you can it's get that there. information if you want if you to. Want to yeah. But yeah. it's um, you can just you know, get a glass. How of wine. do you feel? Oh, I actually yeah. feel like something dry and acidic. Yeah. Cool, well, how about this? Yeah. You know. Oh, that's really nice. Can I see the bottle? There's the info for you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I, I did a talk at Rootstock with Dan One, we're calling him. And <laughs> it's the, actually his last name. The, the topic <laughs> came up the topic came up about uh, decaf coffee and it's fucking enthralled me ever since. And like I see it as like a a a really great opportunity for the it's coffee. It's new gluten-free for you, isn't it, Mikey? Well, to it's be honest, I think it's, more, it's more of a marketing thing, to be quite honest, because most of the limitations on coffee come from people having one or two and then sort of maxing out on their caffeine. Yeah, so I've, I've had a, a full coffee and like two glasses of tea, and I feel about as great as I did when I drank half a Magnum of sake. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a way we can purify the, the, the way we develop the the caffeine-free coffee because I think that's a huge... Uh, like, I would drink five or six coffees a day if if there was no caffeine in them, you know, and I think a lot of people would because I actually really love drinking coffee yeah. and I, I've tried a few from you guys and there's it's it's still a, a level down. When you're having milk coffee, it's really... You can't tell that much, but I would love to have, like, black coffee that was... Well, I drink, like, five, six cups of tea a day. Yeah, exactly, but you drink caffeinated or non Oh, it's uh, all ca- it has I to be caffeinated. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's all caffeinated. It's really, all caffeinated, yeah. except but for purples. There's levels of, yeah. caf- of caffeine. That's right. Yeah. But for coffee... But I, like I start in the morning with like a, a red tea, which mm. is a bit higher, and then yeah. like 
towards look at him he's next foot like before service I have a white tea every night and it's not like I don't need a caffeine boost or whatever I need something just to chill me out and relax and then you know and then after service I have a white tea as well well can coffee ever get to a proper coffee that's caffeine free yeah for sure like we just don't have it here because the market's tiny Mm -hmm. like America I had you know one of the best coffees I had over in North America when I was in Canada was a decaffeinated coffee um I brought some back here and made it on bar, gave it to people as a filter coffee, so very transparent as well, and um, they loved it. And it wasn't until after they told me that they loved it, I said it was decaf too. And it's interesting that it shouldn't actually make a difference. Mm. Um, I went to the, like the common decaffeinating plant is the Swiss water decaf process. I went to the plant in um, Burnaby in BC, in Canada. And um, yeah, that's, I guess, where my eyes were opened. And my first question was, so, decaf, that sucks. Um, They're like, yeah. I'm like, why does it suck? And he's like, well, because it's such a small percentage of what goes out. Um, People give us their cheap-ass, bad-quality coffee to decaffeinate. Right. Um, Here, try this. And he gave me a really, really nice coffee that I knew of um, that had been decaffeinated. And side by side, like, they were very, very similar in flavor profile. And it's interesting... um, yeah, then, you know, I, my mind was blown from that. And then, but if we had lots of coffee here that was decaffeinated, I, I too would drink it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not always drinking coffee, actually more than not, drink, not drinking it for the caffeine. I'm drinking it for the flavors. Yeah, yeah. same. Um, as opposed to maybe booze. Yeah. You know, like would I drink alcohol if it had no, no. alcohol in it? No, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not even speak of that. That's called cordial. <laughs> Grape juice. Yeah, um, I just think it's really interesting. I don't know what you guys would do down at Edition, but I think it's a, I think it's an amazing opportunity to, to step that market. Like, I yeah, we. I mean, we don't serve decaf over at Edition, um, and there hasn't really been a huge market for mm. it over there either. I mean, I think in the whole year that we've been open, we've had maybe ten people ask for decaf. I think because they know that we are like we really care about coffee, and I mean, in the the snobs of the coffee industry would be like, well, decaf's not coffee. Yeah. Um, well yes it is but there's no point in us roasting like 500 grams of decaf that's just going to go stale or whatever because we've only got one person that comes in every two months for decaf (laughs) I'd prefer to offer them something else Mm -hmm. Um, so we don't serve it over there but uh, in regards to like the caffeine hit that you get off of coffee I mean filters and batch brews the the caffeine hits a lot uh, more drawn out it's not as intense so I can drink like loads of filter and batch brew over the day because it's a bit more of a it's a long chain so slow release yeah it's a slow it's a yeah. slow release it yeah. doesn't give you that Very massive hit that an espresso yeah. does yeah. um so yeah i i have maybe like two espressos in the morning to dial in the machine yeah. and half of a milk-based coffee just to see what it's tasting like and then i just drink black coffee like filter black coffee all day yeah awesome Mitch, you did a high tea at Acme a few oh, months yeah. ago. Yes. Day last yeah. Arthur and I did, yes. Yeah, and Arthur was obviously the, the, uh, the tea maistro in the day. Um, Wait, can, I, can we cook the mandarin thing up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll do that. Sorry. I'll do that. Tea maestro, one. please work, work some more magic with uh-huh. us today. Holy shit. So uh, just a little bit of commentary. <laughs> Arthur is uh, peeled the top off the, ma- the, the mandarin, <laughs> which, is, which is a dark brown color. Did your auntie tell you how to prep it? No, she doesn't know anything about tea. Yeah. She just sent it to you. She just thought, oh, well, you know, my nephew does tea, so I'll bring him some weird stuff, you know. Yeah. It looks like a weird little clay pot. Yeah. Because the, uh, the skin's gone completely brown. So now he's busting it open. I'm going to, uh, it looks like a dried black lime for all the people that know that ingredient. Yeah. 
and then it's filled with tea leaves. Do you know what the tea leaf is? Of course you do. Pure, uh, from yeah. what I can see, it's most likely a Yunnan black, or or could possibly be a poor. Yeah, but it's probably just a Yunnan, what the Chinese call red tea. And do you reckon there are any benefits to storing it in the um, in the Mandarin? Probably just imparts a bit of flavour, that citrus flavour. Um, but yeah, to me, I was a bit sceptical bringing this because I think you know it could be just quite a gimmick. But what the hell, you know? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, Let's awesome. find out. We're all about gimmicks. Yeah. At the this makes great radio. <laughs> yeah, the, the visionaries are amazing. So, um, Mitch, what, what, while uh, Arthur's preparing this tea for us, I mean, should we talk about the high tea and your sure. kind of vision behind that? Uh, yeah, it's kind of just like I feel like there's no good high teas. Like you go to high tea and it's all about the cucumber sandwiches and the tea you get is fucking shit house. No matter where you go, you might go and pay 80 bucks for a high tea, but the tea gets terrible. And it was actually, I was up on the Gold Coast for New Year's two years ago and uh, Sophia and I went to the Versace Hotel because someone was like, oh, you got to go to the Versace Hotel and have high tea. And I was like, that sounds like a really wanky thing to do. I'll definitely go and do that. <laughs> and it was fucking terrible. It was terrible. And it just made me think like high tea is such a fun thing to do. And like chicks and mums and everyone like, like nobody doesn't <laughs> like going to high tea really. Like everyone likes cucumber All the demographics, sandwiches. chicks and mums. Yeah. Only demographics that Mitch is too But like everybody, like no one doesn't like cucumber sandwiches or scones and drinking a cup of tea. Like everybody likes that. But yeah. nowhere fucking does it well because nowhere cares about the tea. I think that's what gives tea a bad name in some respects. Like yeah. people say high tea. But little regards given to the actual tea, which actual is the tea, irony so, of it. Yeah. Yeah. But even like the food is shit and stuff. So yeah, okay. I just thought it would be fun to do something where the tea is actually good. And like a, instead of just having English breakfast and Earl Grey or whatever, we did, uh, did we do three or four different teas, Arthur? We did four. We did four different teas. So we progressed from really light white teas into heavier reds and stuff that are more tannic and a bit more caffeine and stuff like that and then rather than doing the towers of food because I couldn't go and buy all the things like I wanted to we just sort of matched food to the kind of tea so the lighter teas we served with like lighter vegetable based stuff and seafood stuff and then as it got heavier then we sort of like you know we served foie gras and scones and stuff like that we're still very much in the acme style but it was just like a way to you know like high tea you can drink good tea and actually enjoy it and it be a cohesive experience. You're going to do that again for Mother's Day this year? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. That means I have to work Sundays. I'm not really about working Sundays. You can pay yourself time and a half, bro. It's no, great. I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. is, could you do such a thing with, with a similar thing with coffee or is that... Have you heard of that, like a matched coffee kind of... Yeah, I think they did meal. one down in... Um, what's Colin Barris's joint down there? Press Club? Whatever it was, whatever it was, he had something down there years ago where it was matched coffees to food. And right. I think we got it sounds very the duck course, and we matched uh, Nicaraguan, um, yeah, washed coffee. Actually, it was pretty nice. Apparently, I didn't have it, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it does. It's a thing for sure, and I think people have tried to do it more. And like, I think loosely, it's it's kind of matched within cafes mm. with certain foods. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's easier to match it more like you were saying before with desserts, yeah. coffee and a dessert. Yeah. What yeah. the coffee's giving you, either blueberries or strawberries or whatever you can yeah. kind of match it. With. I think too, like when I said that, that's also with me having access to the coffee. So it's what's in the restaurant. So whether it's me making the coffee or using the, the bean. So if I was working with 
one of the dans and they were bringing a range of products which different varying flavors and different tones it'd be a lot easier to work with that you know and it's why additions food works with coffee because you guys actually make the coffee and it's you can you can uh, you want the adjust the aggression of the coffee Nothing to match the, the food and that's why it works so well at addition so so yeah. i just broke into that song because this is actually a poor from the smell of it and it is kind of that musty fermented kind of aroma but it makes sense because if you add a bit of citrus to it, it sort of balances out. So, sorry, I didn't. You're excited? Mean to interrupt Are you excited? Your no, discourse. no, you interrupt yeah. always. We're talking sorry, shit. Sorry. All right, so we're gonna finally tr- we're gonna end end the uh, episode with us finally oh, drinking this, this oh, Mandarin man. tea. Oh, unless you've got some uh, amazing proverbs you want to share with us. Uh, I don't know about proverbs, but I want to know one more thing. The last thing, just for coffee geeking out, when people talk about cupping. And scoring of the beans. What is it, 86 and up? Is that the number? Depends who you ask. Yeah, 80 and up, 83 and up it used to be. So uh, do you want to give us a broad what the fuck that means to the general public? And why they're drinking products and why they should be impressed by 86 and up? Because and <laughs> <laughs> um, they don't care or no. So yeah. educate them as a mass unit. It's funny, I guess like, as, like cupping, there's like a universal kind of ratio and steep times and stuff so it's like i think originally it was 8.25 grams of coffee per 150 mil four minutes steep break it break the crust on it take in the aroma um and then you know uh sip as it as it cools with a spoon slurp it aspirate it over your tongue um and that's how we tasting wine as well like tasting wine so it's It's like um same same with tea um and so uh with that comes you know you have to score it because it is a commodity it has to be scored and prices uh, attributed to that um, you know and that's at farm level that's at selection level and you know when we're selecting coffees for um, the shop you know that too but uh, quite more often than not like the number is just a number because uh, depending on what scale you're using you're kind of evaluating its sweetness its acidity the body the cleanliness the um, how consistent it is the defects within the bean and that all attributes to that final number but that can be that number can be swayed because if it had a really low x but a really high y it just drags it up kind of doesn't mean that much it's a good answer it's good no it's true and i love the the irony of like not not the dance places but at some places they put all this effort into going to farms buying the beans roasting properly holding aging all this sort of stuff then they get some donkey on the machine that makes the shittest coffee you know what i mean like and it's bizarre that all this effort can be down to one dude that turns up with a hangover and can't be bothered to make coffee properly for the day you know it's like it's you'd never get that at the dance joints but at other places it's quite I always I always always think about all the wasted energy and then you see some drop kick on the machine which brings me to a point Mike if you don't mind go for it <laughs> please take it other <clears throat> I want to discuss a little bit about coffee and tea and, and its approaches right with coffee let me ask let me throw it over to the dance <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not meant to be hosting, but you know, yeah, just give it a better job. Yours, Mike was doing a shit job. Um, <laughs> you have the mic, man. The threshold for what's good in coffee is that relatively small. Like the range of whether or not a coffee is good, that range is it really small? The margin of error is very Hits small. Hits and misses. It depends. Like I guess um, who's judging for one. It's a you, personal you. tasting. Yeah, it's, a, you, right. yeah, it's very subjective. Yeah. Um, like, there's lots of coffees that we won't buy that other places will sell and it'll be a hit. Mm. But we won't do it because it just doesn't suit, like, what we want to 
convey to customers. Um, like even things like natural processed coffees. We do buy some, but generally most of the ones that we uh, taste just don't cut it. Like they're not clean enough. And, um, but they're great tools for educating people because um, they're just so different. Um, but then as far as like, you know, making it good. Yep. Um, like for our tolerances, mm-hmm. um, they're pretty tight. But then yeah. um, as soon as you pour a nice rosetta on top of a coffee with <laughs> milk, um, it kind of all goes out the window yeah. in a certain yeah. way. Milk does kind of hide a lot of defects. Hide stacks. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess that's why where there is a push to, you know, use uh, lower grade coffee maybe or roast darker as well for milk coffees yeah, yeah. to make it pleasing to people. Um, but then yeah. there's also a stretch to shy people away from that and mm. go, oh, that's really milky. Well, why don't you try a black coffee, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but the tolerances can be small depending on who. Yeah. Is there a small error for tea? Um, I don't think it's as small because there's a range to which tea can be good. So, like, especially with tea, like, we have... We have the ability to have a few goes of it before throwing it out. Like uh, the traditional methods of making tea, which is the methods that we generally advocate anyway, like I said before, high leaf to water ratio, quick steeps, allows you to do multiple infusions. So you can discover something nice on each infusion. Uh, So, I mean, so long as you have basic parameters um, and you apply a bit of effort and care, you can find out, like from your first infusion, second to your third to your fourth, each one of those infusions could bring out something quite beautiful. And, and the parameters uh, for each of those uh, infusions may differ. So it's not necessarily you have to knuckle down to a set, uh, you know, specific down to the degree, temperature or second. Um, I think that would take away from the tea experience, actually. Because tea is purely about simplicity, you know, so, yeah. I think that's a pretty good spot to end. Where can we find you guys on the interwebs? Yeah, talk us, talk up your shop and talk up your product. Dan, Dan too. Uh, you can find us at uh, 265 Liverpool Street in Darlinghurst or you can find us at Edition Roasters on both Twitter and Instagram and Facebook is just Edition Copy Roasters. And where are the two sites? Um, 265 Liverpool, Darlinghurst and at the moment we have a pop-up uh, coffee cart over at Barangaroo um, right next to Noma. <laughs> Dan one, Dan one. Uh, Artificer is at five four seven Burke in Surrey Hills, um, and Artificer Coffee on both the grams and the tweets. Tweets. Arthur. Tcraft dot com dot au for all your tea needs. What's, what's your today? Instagram, bro? What's your Instagram, Arthur? Uh, Tcraft. Underscore, oh, is it? It's yeah. underscore KT. K is Kerthiasa, my business partner's last name, and Tong, uh, T for Tong, my last name. Yeah. That's it. Cool. And Levs. Mitchy. Krillin on the run on Twitter and Instakrill on Instagram. And I'm Pinbone on all the mediums. And this has been The Mitchin. You can find us on facebook.com, The Mitchin, or The Mitchin Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to leave some feedback and tell Lev what a great job he did not hosting this week, that'd be fantastic. I'll have to say, next week is all about barbecue. So look forward to that. Awesome. Cool. It's The Mitchin Podcast. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 